So last week we celebrated Easter, right? Y'all, if you weren't here, you were the only person. So we celebrated Easter last week and it was cool and it's exciting, but there's always something next. Like we've got this new life and now we kind of need to do something with it. We talked about this over Easter and we said, you, you receive this new life, but if you don't do something new with your new life, your new life will start to look a lot like your old life. So you got to do something with this life you have been given. Jesus said, I came so that you might have life to the full. Jesus said, that's funny, not life for a fool, life to the full, like abundance. He said, I came so that you might have life in abundance. I think when we think abundance, we think like, oh, like abundance of money or an abundance of, you know, chocolate or whatever your thing is. But just like, no, listen, abundance that I bring goes way beyond anything your money could bring you. When Jesus said life to the abundance, he said an abundance of joy, of peace, of hope, of purpose, of love. These are the things that Christ came to give us. He came so that we might have life to the fullest. And we're, we're going to sort of pick up last week uh, where we left off because if you have experienced this life, then you should do something with it. And he told us exactly what he wanted us to do in Matthew 28. And it says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus said, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples disciples. Man, I love the Year of the Bible sermon series because there's so many Mondays. I'm reading this with you guys. My hope is some of you are still reading. If not, today's a great day to jump in and start. But with the Year of the Bible, there's oftentimes I come in Monday and I have no agenda whatsoever. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I just begin to read the same things you're reading. So I went back and I read that part in Matthew. I was like, all right, yes, go and make disciples. Because that is the way that God wants you to be empowered. We have the Holy Spirit of the living God in us, not like someone beside us, someone within us who's empowering us and give us strength of all situations. He said, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. Why does he want us to make disciples? Because that's what life to the fullest is. People who are surrendered to the will and reign of Christ. And we're, we're helping create other people who are surrendered to the will and reign of Christ so that they might experience life to the full. And life to the full is a life completely surrendered to God. And if your life is not completely surrendered to God, then, then you're not experiencing the fullness of life Christ came to bring. So I want you to go and make disciples so that they and you might experience full life. Make disciples. So I said, all right, that's good. So what's a disciple? What really is a disciple? I was at a, a conference the other day, and I'm not going to say what, what group of people it was or anything. I was at a conference, and they spent a great deal of time trying to decide what a disciple was. Like a lot of time trying to decide what a disciple was. And some people said, you know, a disciple is, is you know, it all centered around feeling welcomed and feeling wanted. And I was like, I don't really remember the disciples feeling that, but... I think as we read the year of the Bible, I think there's some things you're going to see that are clear that a disciple is. I mean, I don't think it takes a lot of a big conference full of people to figure this out. One of the things that's clear is a disciple is someone who has given their life to Christ, right? Not someone who has invited Christ into their heart. 
That's different. And if you don't believe it's different, is it the same thing to give me your car as invite me into it? We talked about that. A, a disciple is someone who has given their heart to Christ. So that's the first one. The second thing is a disciple is someone who is learning to obey everything Christ commanded. And I say learning to obey because if you think you are obeying everything, then you are confused. Because <laughs> we're not there yet. We are learning. We are becoming. We are learning, but we're not quite there. So a disciple is learning to obey everything. Everything means every, not just the things we like, not just things that are easy, not just the things that give us the warm little fuzzies, but everything. All right. And the third thing I think you'll see, and I've seen as we go through our reading of the year of the Bible, a disciple is someone who uses everything they have for the glory of God. And that third one is sort of where I want to camp out for a little bit today. This is sort of where God moved on me this last week. A disciple is someone who uses everything they have for the glory of God. And so what do you have that you can use for the glory of God? And, and, and this is, stick with me because this is going to be kind of weird, but we'll get through it. There's two things I think you have that you can use for the glory of God. The first thing is, I believe you can use the things you believe you have for the glory of God. So if you believe you have it, then I believe you can use it. The second thing I think is, you can use the things you don't believe you have for the glory of God. Trust me, it'll make sense in a minute. So let's start out with Matthew chapter 25. And I, we're going to start by talking about the things you believe you have. And I'm going to read you an incredibly long piece of scripture, but I promise you this scripture is more important than anything I'm going to say. So listen to it because we're going to go somewhere with it. But this is an incredible story. And this is Jesus talking. And I know it's Jesus because Jesus always spoke in red. And so... <laughs> It's tough. They didn't even have black and white. It was only black and white. So red, but so Jesus spoke in red. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, it says this. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. He gave one five bags of gold to another two bags and to another and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. And so the woman with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. Look, I've got five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. And the man who had received two bags of gold came. He said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. Look, now I have two more. And the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. I have trusted you with a few things, and now I'm going to give you more. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid the gold in the ground. See, here is the one bag that belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banks so that when I return, I would have at least received it back with interest. 
So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten. For whoever has more will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even though what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yikes. <laughs> Betty didn't preach that one on Easter. <laughs> That's a pretty, pretty tough commentary there. In the story... They're talking about bags of gold, but I mean, you could make this anything. It's, it's, they have some things. It could be the ability to work with kids or, or the ability to build or, you know, the ability to speak or sing or whatever. But these, these guys, there's something that I noticed in this story this week, and, and I think it's so important for these things that they knew they had. So the, the, the talents, the gifts, the stuff that you know you have and God knows you have. The thing, these guys knew, the guy who had five bags knew he had five. The guy who had two bags knew he had two. The guy who had one, he knew, they all knew they had something. So for the things you know you have and the things God knows you have, there's a word I want you to hear today. And the word is this, expectation. God expects you to use the things you and God both know you have. God expects you to use the things that you and God both know you have. And, there, and there's something to understand here that I think is so important. This story is not about the portion that each man used. This story is about the proportion that each man used. And that's different, right? Each man had a different amount. And they weren't being judged on the amount, they were being judged on the proportion. How much of what they had did they use? It's different people have different portions of things. You're not being judged on how much you have. You're being judged on how much of what you have that you use. And that's very different. So let me give you some analogies. For instance, some of you uh, have been given a portion of an ability to sing, right? I have been given a greater portion. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. I'm actually a gifted singer. They don't put me up here because there's a lot of haters. Um, it's one of the seven deadly sins, hatering. So right, I mean, but you, let's, you really do, let's say you do have a portion of singing, but, but Dusty may have a greater portion of singing than you. And so you can't say, well, just because I'm not on the stage, I'm not gonna use my gift. No, that's not what it's about. Dusty uses his gift on the stage, but if you can sing and you're sitting in the audience, it is your responsibility to sing with all you've got so that, so that God takes glory from the song of this house. Whether you're on stage or at different people have different portions, you're not being judged. You're being judged on what do you do with what God has given you. And if you can sing when we're singing, you better sing. If... If, if you can speak publicly, that doesn't mean you're gonna be speaking publicly up here. It doesn't even mean you're gonna be leading a small group. But if you have a portion of a gift, it means you better use it. It means maybe you should be mentoring somebody. Maybe you should be helping someone who's leading a small group. Do not let your pride steal the joy of the portion. Sometimes we do, we're like, well, if I'm not gonna, and God's like, no, no, no. You don't understand, it's not about the portion. It's not, it, you're gonna use what I have given you. And when we don't use the portion God has given us, he's not neutral, he's unhappy. He does not like it when we don't use what God has expected us to use. You might be thinking, I, I'm not gonna help with this building effort because I'm not a master carpenter. Well, I, I would say this, if you have a portion of an ability to help build, it is your responsibility to help us. I'm, I'm gonna 
If you're a guest here today, I'm going to ask you just to earmuff for a second because I'm going I'm to speak to family now. I was working over here Saturday building this new kid's wing, and 20% of the help that showed up was a girl named Katie who works eight to five, five days a week, and has no kid that has ever used our children's area. And she was 20% of the five people who showed up Sunday. Guys, the DNA of this house has always been work. It is, and if we lose that, we will lose so much of what is us. And if the only thing you can say is, well, I didn't know, I would tell you the responsibility is on the individual, not the institution. Read the book. It is my job. We will do our best to let you know. But those who want to work, come and find it. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you men, if you have a portion, or women, if you have a portion, come use it. Amen? Amen. I'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> If you have a gift and you know you have it and God knows you have it, it is on you to use it. There's an expectation. There is an expectation that you're going to use the gift. And if you don't use it, this, this is what like, to not use a gift that you know you have and God knows you have, it's not, it's not okay. Like we think, oh, well, it's okay, you know, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. It's a big deal. If you have money, then you should be giving. To not give from what you have isn't neutral, it's wrong. And again, if you don't believe me, read the book. 500 of his parables, 50, 50%, over 50% of Jesus' parables are about money. It's like, I, I am gifted for doing this. I believe, like I believe I am gifted for doing what I do on Sunday. No one's shaking their head no, so I'll keep going. That would be so awkward if one of you were going. Like, I believe I'm gifted in doing this, right? So to not do what I'm anointed to do, what I was created to do, it wouldn't be neutral, it would be bad. I would be missing out on the fullness of life I was created for. I would deny my God the glory he expects from me. Like, I want to give God what he expects. And it doesn't mean it's less. It doesn't mean it's unimportant. It doesn't mean it's not valuable. This is valuable. But I want to live up to the expectations I was created to achieve. And so if you have something and God knows you have it, it is expected that you are going to use it. And to not use it is not neutral. It's wrong. That's what we take away from that parable. You are called to use what God has given you to use. The kingdom should be multiplied by your efforts. And I want you to hear this, guys. If, if last week, you know, maybe it was your, doing what's expected is step one. So, so you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. Step one, the first step of discipleship is doing what is expected. You know you've got something. God knows you have it. Step one this is 101. Step one is using whatever you have for the glory of God. You can talk, you can, you can smile, you can count, you, you can, you're good with kids, whatever it is, you can build whatever it is. Step one is use what you have because that is expected and expected is good and expected is a good step. But there's another step because step two, using what you believe you have for God is expected. Using what you do not believe you have for God, that's exceptional. That's exceptional. And for some people in the house today, it's time to take a step towards exceptional. Man, there are times in the Bible, and like, I know my theology of what I'm about to say may sound corny, and I'm cool with that. I say a lot of corny things. 
I know God can see the future, right? And I know God knows everything, but there are moments in the Bible when Jesus almost seems surprised by someone's faith. Like they do something like, there's this one story of this Roman centurion and Jesus is, is almost surprised as he is moved by this man's faith. It's almost like Jesus went, I didn't see that one coming. That was a good one. Like, and I know we can't surprise him, but like, if it's possible to every now and then have Jesus go, wow, my God, don't you want that? I'll give my life to do what is expected, but give me a few moments of exceptional. And there's a story in Luke that I think is so beautiful about this. And it's Luke chapter 21. This is the one I read this week that just got my mind running. It said, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of wealth, but she out of poverty, she gave all she had to live on. This is a story of a woman who is exceptional. She didn't give from an area where she was gifted. And listen, I Googled poverty. Here's what it means. The state of being extremely poor or the state of being inferior in quality or insufficient in amount. She did not give from an area where she was gifted. She gave from an area where she believed she had nothing. And that is exceptional. She went above and beyond what was expected from her. And th this story is about money and maybe for some of you it needs to be about money. But I think this goes so far beyond money. This is about someone who believes that they can give from an area where they apparently have no gift, an area where the world and their accountant and everybody would said, no, 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 you need to hold that or, or you can't do that. And she moves forward in faith that makes no sense. And so I, I'm, I'm getting to this point. I'm like, all right, God, how can we give what we do not believe we have? How can I tell you, whether it's your time or your talent or whatever it is, how can you ask us to give what we don't even believe we have? And God said, it's called trusting me more than what you have. Like that is how we do it. We get to a place where we trust in his ability more than we trust in our inability and we move. We move even in areas where we do not believe we have a gift. And listen, I'm not saying it would be exceptional if you hate kids for you to babysit my kids. I think that's a bad matter. There's some things some of us shouldn't do. I shouldn't ever sing, but sometimes I do, but I shouldn't. I should never do it. That wasn't bad. <laughs> I should have never danced in college, but sometimes I did, right? It's like, there are things, I'm not saying do what you know you shouldn't do, but I'm saying there are times when God calls you, right? And you know this. There are times when God speaks something into your heart, when God tells you to give something, God and your first thing is, I can't do that. I don't have that. I don't have that skill. I don't have that money. I don't have that. Our first thing is, I don't. And God's going, I know you don't, but I can. Like, I can. That, this is the beauty of life with God. It's doing things that we cannot do on our own. Like, that's what I want. That is the beauty of understanding all this. So, so let, let me give you another analogy. It, I'm a pastor. Most of y'all know that. <laughs> so when I go somewhere and people are eating, they always ask me to pray, okay? And I'm always like, hey, listen, I don't ask you to do your job on your day off. Why? <laughs> I've never said that. 
Obviously, it's an honor for me to pray at any lunch, at any dinner. Or what, I, I love doing that, for real. Keep at I love it. It is an honor for me. When you ask me to pray at the meal, I consider it a great privilege and a great honor. But that's expected. Like God, I have no fear whatsoever praying over our meal together. There is no fear. I'm not worried. I know that God is going to give me the words. I know that I have a gift in that area. I'm not worried about it. There's no fear. So that is 100% completely expected for me to pray when you ask me to pray. But hear this, the man who doesn't believe he has the words, the man who doesn't believe he knows God good enough, the man who doesn't believe he knows the Bible well enough, for that man to get down on his knees and pray for his wife, that is exceptional. You hear the difference? That's exceptional. I'm not scared when I pray for your family for dinner, but that man is, he's so scared because he's worried he's gonna let her down or say, man, when you step up, you are exceptional. Know that. And so many men in this room right now have an exceptional moment waiting in their house tonight. God, that's good. You have an exceptional moment waiting for you. Clarissa Wallace, who does our, um, our kids' pastor, pastor, she's amazing. She's the most amazing kids' pastor in the world. I believe that. Like, she is the kid whisperer, right? I mean, she can take a crying baby and just shake them around. That's probably not what she just... She just gets them quiet somehow. I don't know how she does it. But she's really good at that, right? I mean, Clarissa is gifted at working with kids. So for her to work with kids, it's good and it's important and it's valuable. And I believe God loves it and I believe God is pleased, but really it's expected. Clarissa was created. Like she came out of the womb going, I'm going like this. I'm on my conscious discipline all the people in the room. It's just what she does. But I have seen Clarissa use the story of her past, which is probably a story that would blow some of your minds. I've seen her open up to people. I've seen her be vulnerable. I've seen her use some of the hurt and fear from when she was a little girl. I've seen her use that story to minister to someone else, and that was exceptional. That's exceptional. Guys, I want to I do what God expects me to do. My God, yes. Let, let me meet your expectations on a daily basis. But I want to be exceptional. Where are you scared? Like, what's God calling you to do where you're like, <laughs> that's exceptional. It's waiting for you. For every single person in this room, there is, there is this exceptional moment that God has crafted uniquely and perfectly for you. And he's just waiting for you to rise to the occasion when you're going to step into something that goes so much beyond. It's not hard for us to operate from our strength, right? To, to, to do something where we have a strength, to do something where we're gifted, that's not hard. But God's strength is demonstrated in the areas where we are weak. Listen to what the Paul, said this in, 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 Paul said this in Corinthians. I went country again. 12, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Where are you weak? Like, I know this is weird. Where, where are you weak? One of you in the room is scared to death to talk to people you don't know. You want to be exceptional today? Walk across the room and say hi to somebody. One of you in the room knows 
that for years God has called you to, to add some time in your schedule to work with kids here. You don't know how you have the time. You don't know how you're going to do it. But it's exceptional. We're, we're, we're spending a lot of money building this building. We're spending a lot of money taking care of people. We invest a lot of money in safe families and single moms and in young babies and in paying bills and in buying cars and in helping kids to find life. And some of you are going, man, I, I just don't have it. And I get that. I would challenge you to reorient your entire lifestyle around giving to God. It's exceptional. Some of you are facing a situation and you have no idea how you're going to get through it. Like no idea. There may be an exceptional outcome waiting for you on the other side if you stop doubting our God and start trusting him, maybe for the first time in your life. Do you want to be part of an expected church? I'd like to be part of something exceptional. And some of you, my God, you're doing it, man. For the glory of God, you're doing it. For the rest of you, maybe it's time to do what's expected. Or maybe it's time to be exceptional. <laughs>